You know what? A total soul. A fucking a total soul. Welcome to this, yet another uh, episode of Bottleman. By the time you are listening to this, I, Riley, who you may remember from before, will be in Australia. Uh, hopefully, I am fine and have not been killed by one of the many venomous spiders that seems to live uh, up to and including the central business districts of every major city there. One thing I learned about Australia from touring there... Uh from our, our tour manager, uh, is that you, if you, if you lift a, like a garbage can lid or a toilet seat or open a drawer or do anything like that, um, you always have to check for, uh, for the brown recluse spider because it might bite you and then you, and then you might die. I don't want to die from a spider biting me in Australia. Uh, that's just me. It bites you Um, and then it bites you and then your torso expands, uh, your sleeves fall off. Um, your hair turns into uh, like a leather hat with crocodile teeth on it. Uh-huh. Your, your, pan- your-, your pants shrink until they're uh, just above your knees. Uh, what happens to your knives? Uh, oh, they get bigger and bigger. Your oh, get, no. Your knives get enormous. Uh, your, your knives get enormous. Uh, what about, what about your, your normal flat-brimmed hat? It doesn't really develop corks or anything, does it? Oh, yeah. You're going to get a lot of corks. Oh, boy. Oh, that's not that's not. A- Okay, well, I'm I'm scared now. I'm yeah. fish. Look, it's I wasn't scared on Halloween, um, but now on this Thursday, November third, little peek behind the curtain. By the way, this gets recorded a few days before it comes out. I'm I'm spooked. I'm spooked by the little monsters. I'm going to go be go and see. I'm actually scared for you. I don't. I'm recommending that you don't touch or or just don't touch anything. Don't disturb any uh, bushes. Mm-hmm. Um, don't go walking through the tall grass. Definitely don't go swimming. Uh, oh, the sharks! Yeah, and the jellyfish that uh, the, the deliver a powerful neurotoxin. I wanted to go to the beach, but I think I might just not. I think you should just stay in your room and uh, and and play RimWorld. Uh, oh, Rim, I got biotech. It's such a good Ooh. expansion. Yeah, you can you can you can use mechs now. No shit, really. Oh, yeah, you can build. You can have a mechanator character, and you can use and control mechs. Ooh. So you can have a scyther instead of them attacking you. You can use them to attack someone else. Yes. So maybe we'll go to Australia. I'll sit in the hotel room, except when it's time to do shows and play RimWorld. There you go. And then you yeah. visited Australia and survived. I, <laughs> I have visited Australia. What did you do? Oh, I got so far in RimWorld <laughs> my playthrough. <laughs> I was doing a Mechanator run, and I did really well. Did you see the Sydney Opera House? I didn't build that. I don't think you can build that in, Can't in, build. in this version. No. You need the Australia expansion pack for RimWorld. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Actually, that would be cool is if somebody made like uh, Australia, uh, like, like uh, you know, you're colonizing Australia, RimWorld. Actually, cut yeah. that. That's not cool at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, Milo. Okay. So look, here's the thing. I'm still in Britain, which means uh, I'm still thinking about Canada for whatever reason. Um, and uh, you're also uh, not in Canada. You're also traveling as well. I'm not. I'm in uh, New York City, baby. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, where it is uh, a completely normal temperature of 20 degrees Celsius on this uh, early November uh, morning. Oh, perfect. 
I'm very excited for that traditional New York green Christmas. <laughs> I am dreaming of a green Christmas right now. <laughs> dreaming of a green and fecund Christmas. Yeah, it's it's like it, an Aust- Australian Christmas is like you sit on the porch and you have like a white wine cooler and you wear your little shorts and your big knife. And that's kind of what it's going to be like in, um, you know, in what like the um, when you have your 10 square meter uh, uh, living space in the Toronto, New York mega city. Hey, that's going to be one way that Canada benefits from climate change, actually. Oh, the Toronto, Toronto, New York mega arcology. Yeah, it's Toronto's finally going to be able to say that it has something in common with New York. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Good for them. <laughs> Yeah. All they have to, all these cities have to do is grow uh, north and south, uh, respectively, and just sort of um, overtake the uh, the wasteland of northern New York State. You know, um, mm-hmm. once once Albany, they'll they'll meet at Albany. Yeah, I, although the only only problem is, of course, is that you know what uh, what New York's going to go envelop first is Montreal. Toronto's going to be the second city again, the second arcology. Yeah, it's going to be like a pincher move, basically. They'll like, you know, like how the crime families extend to Montreal. They'll just extend Brooklyn to Montreal. Yeah, they'll extend but, Brooklyn to Montreal. I know. You know what? You know what Toronto's going to join with is uh, Detroit and Chicago. Yes, that's right. The yeah. Great Lakes. Yeah, we're going to talk about still like, oh yeah, you should you should check out um, East uh, Great Lakes Arcology. Uh, there's actually some really cool uh, nutrient paste there. I'm it's looking. Like, <laughs> it's just like you can get in like the New York, Montreal, uh, arcology, the New England arcology. It's it's really, really, really similar, and um, a lot of actually the chef, the the, the paste, the, the paste chef, the paste fabricator, um, the paste the paste fabricator at uh, Gloop in um, Great Lakes Arcology's East End. He actually trained in New England arcology. Oh, amazing! Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's I'm really looking. Cool. I'm just looking forward to a limited nuclear exchange between the uh, Great Lakes Consortium and uh, French Brooklyn, French Brooklyn zone. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's weird. They have uh, is it natural wine is making a huge comeback. But <laughs> by natural wine, what you just mean is like you found a bottle of wine that was made from a grape as opposed yeah. to chemically synthesized. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, like uh, only the finest connoisseurs can enjoy yellowtail. Yeah, Jackson Triggs for everyone. Ugh. Don't <laughs> even joke about that. <laughs> Sorry. It's like that's like look, that's like the worst Niagara on the Lake slur is to say that Jackson Triggs is good or worthwhile, or to mention that it exists. <laughs> it's like that's our word. <laughs> you can't use it. Your culture uh, is not my costume. I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. This is this is not, this is my. I'm a proud Niagara on the Lake. Uh, Ian, there used to be a restaurant when I grew up um, called Notlers that it took me until I was eight to realize was a pun on N-O-T-L. Yeah, but anyway, hey, you know what? Little Niagara history for you. Dan, what's happening in Canada? What's happening in Canada? Hmm. What's happening in Canada is that uh, is that there's one thing that Canadian journalists cannot do, absolutely cannot do, and that is... I mean, look. They can't come. To, they they certainly uh, what they're certainly not going to. I don't know. Get uh, fooled by some kind of multi-decade-long campaign to whitewash anything. Yeah, they're certainly not going to uh, buy the double genocide theory hook, line, and sinker, and take the word of a small group of nationalists over a mountain of historically accepted fact. You know, oh, of course not. Not, not them. Um, so, astute listeners to the show might remember we've uh, we've 
mentioned many times that there is a statue of uh, Roman Shukievich in Edmonton, Alberta. Um, the statue uh, occasionally pops up in mainstream news and then just kind of disappears. It just puts his little head up and then and then and it goes away. Everybody uh, forgets about it, um, but it's there. And uh, you know, just to uh, sort of give a brief refresher, Roman Shukievich was the uh, supreme commander of something called the Noctegal Battalion, which was a Nazi battalion directed mm-hmm. by the Abwehr, or uh, German military intelligence. Now, that, I'd heard that it was a controversial battalion. Oh, yeah. Um, some have criticized it for being involved in uh, the genocide <laughs> of Jews and Poles. Other people... Crit- criticized at such organizations as the Nuremberg Tribunal. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Other people... Uh, uh, think that Roman Shukievich is a hero of Ukraine. So um, back in the summer this uh, of 2021, uh, this statue was defaced. Uh, the words actual Nazi were written on, on the statue in spray paint. Probably because of his association with the Noctical Battalion. Probably, yes. Um, and the uh, diligent... I mean, if, I was to, if I was to guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's probably because he was an actual Nazi involved in genocide. Um, and the uh, Edmonton police, mm-hmm. one of the, one of the best police departments in the country, just oh, like yeah. absolutely elite, just when they're not inventing a racism computer, uh, they're dispatching the fucking hate crimes division to go arrest journalist Duncan Kenny on the street and put him in an unmarked car and charge him with vandalizing said statue. Now. Does this have anything to do with the fact that Duncan has been looking into corruption and uh, and sort of malfeasance in the uh, Edmonton Police Department? Who can say? Hey, you know what? What's a really a sign of a thriving democracy is when you have to ask that question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, uh, absolutely. So, so, oh, oh, interesting. This prosecutor was looking into um, overspend in uh, municipal New Jersey waste management collect, uh, practices and now has been found in a ditch. Huh. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Odd. No big deal. So, you know, yeah. it just seems a bit mafia to me. It's a little bit mafia. This is a police department who's one of the scandals in the last and we will be going into the Edmonton Police Department um, in detail in an upcoming episode. Uh, down the line, but like one of the scandals that they have been embroiled in is that they had a fucking enemies list, <laughs> a list of critics. Uh, so, you know, look, enemies it, lists have always worked great for politicians who've had them. Nixon, <laughs> there are others. Yeah, exactly. I can think of certain political organization that uh, that drew up lists of official enemies as well. <laughs> But speaking of that, let's talk about how uh, let's talk about how CTV News Edmonton reported on uh, this uh, statue of a Nazi getting defaced and Duncan getting arrested. So I'm going to read you two uh, two versions of the same article. One pre one one pre correction, one post correction. Um, So here's the first one. The monument Kinney is accused of vandalizing is a statue of Roman Shukievich at the Ukrainian Youth Unity Complex in North Edmonton. Now, here's, uh-huh. here's, the good, here's the good part. While Shukievich is celebrated by some as a Ukrainian military leader, he is also criticized for involvement in massacres of Jewish and Polish people. He's been criticized for his involvement in those. He should have been like, uh, all right, I'm taking responsibility. 
it's it's a this is an amazing paragraph or sentence because you know it doesn't discount the fact that he was involved in those massacres, mm-hmm. right? Like, should should he have reconsidered? Is that the implication? Dr. Mengele is celebrated by some as a German scientist, but criticized by others for his experiments on children. <laughs> I mean, it's um, they, I can't believe that um. Canadian media essentially did a yes, but what about the Autobahn? Uh, sort of just it, it was with a slightly different focus. Yes. And now, okay, I'm going to read the correction after getting, uh, you know, so this article went up and people, you know, and not just the usual suspects, not like me, mm-hmm. <laughs> but a lot of people were legitimately pissed at this uh, just extremely limp characterization of you know, a statue that is, that is of a fucking Nazi who did genocide. Um, so the new, the new paragraph reads, the monument Kinney is accused of vandalizing is a statue of Roman Chukovich at the Ukrainian Youth Unity Complex in North Edmonton. Okay. Okay, great. So, hey, you know what? So far, so factual. Yep. Yeah, those are the facts. Yeah, hey, you know what would be an incredible uh, follow-up question? Why is there one there? Exactly. Why? No okay. one seems to be asking this. No one wants to know. Well, here's so so here's their correction. The Ukrainian Catholic Eparchy, which says it erected the statue in the 1970s to honor veterans who fought for Ukraine's independence in the Second World War, has dismissed accusations that Shukovich collaborated with Nazi Germany and was involved in massacres of Jewish and Polish people as, quote, Russian disinformation. So the the thing is, is that Shukovich was the leader of a Nazi battalion. So I, I'm not exactly sure how you can uh, dispute collaboration claims. Like, this isn't collaboration even. This is, he was literally part of the Nazi military he, machine. He, he, it's not like he was sort of working under the direction of the Nazi military machine, or like he was sort of doing what they said, except in as much as he was quite literally just following the orders that he got directly from them. From German military intelligence. And if you Google this fucking guy's name, that is the first thing that comes up, is that he was the leader of the Dr. Gall Battalion. I don't, so this article gives no context or kind of interrogation of this claim by the Ukrainian Catholic uh, eparchy. So, you know, basically what happened was, I think they, uh, you know, in my opinion, CTV got some pushback and they're like, well, let's be more clear. Let's just reprint verbatim what we've been told by the people who are dispatching the hate crimes division uh, on an independent journalist uh, and accusing him of defacing a statue of a fucking Nazi. I, I mean, it's, uh, it, what it's for, for me, right? My, my thesis on this is just that um, Canadian media is uh, Canadian politics in general and Canadian political media is so, so, so used to um, just some of, I think the, highest levels of elite consensus kind of in i don't know probably some of the highest levels of elite consensus i don't know maybe outside of possibly belgium which doesn't really have a functioning government because it doesn't really need one mm-hmm. um where 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 the idea that something can be in a place of public prominence and also nakedly wrong is a difficult one for them to uh metabolize yes like, like the idea that like the idea that this very respectable place that's that's um upheld by these respectable people can contain this 
it cannot possibly be that simple. Yeah, it seems like a slam dunk, you know, in terms of uh, making some kind of like concrete, factual and or moral judgment in that, you know, the biggest sort of the biggest historical example of evil for people living in the West is always the Nazis. And you've got a statue of a guy who was one and you can't say it or they can't say it. They can't say that it's bad and they can't ask why it's there. And it's and and they also can't. And because they can't ask those questions, then that really, for example, if you're the Edmonton police, that really helps you because no one's asking why Edmonton police themselves seem to be both sides in it. Because yeah. if the press both sides it, that shields the people who are also doing that. Absolutely. Yes. And allows them to go on with this fucking ludicrous trial. The other, I, I mean, the thing that's most disturbing to me about this is, and, and funny in a sad way, is that they, they dispatch the hate crimes division. Because, mm -hmm. you know, as we'll remember, there was a similar like defacement of the monument in uh, Oakville to the SS 14th Galician Division. A... Uh, Nazi military division. Boy, we have a couple of those, huh? Yeah, yeah, we sure do. And, uh, you know, that in that case, they also dispatched the hate crimes division, and then they walked it back when it became public because people, got, mm. people were uh, justifiably confused why the hate crimes division was investigating the defacement of a monument to a fucking Nazi military division. But it's, it's surprising to me that Edmonton police are, are working off the same playbook. But, you know... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's I mean, it, this is this is something I also see like, whenever I think of cause like, like the, the, the convoy. Right. It's not done. In fact, the hearings about it are happening now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's uh, it's just you can see now, now again, this is not anywhere near. I'm not saying that these two things are of the similar significance, but in terms of Canada's inability, especially our political class and our media class to reckon with the things that are going wrong because we just can't quite believe that they're going wrong. Mm -hmm. um, it's why, you know, you, um, it's, it's why, like, why fucking Polyev keeps getting away with what he gets away with uh, at the height of, of conservative politics, which is that, yeah, you, you know, basically did all, everything he could to try to, like, get people involved in a crashing Ponzi scheme in the form of Bitcoin. But no one's ever really asked him about that. Um, no one really ever challenges him about it in any real way, but also how like um, there seems to be very little with, with a lot of the um, a lot of the stuff that's getting raised about the convoy now. You know, there seems to be very little um, uh, uh, desire to remember how many exactly how many prominent Canadian political figures um, gave really their full throated support to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, in the case of the statue, like it, it's just like if you're a journalist, why would you take the word of a Ukrainian nationalist organization or the church? Uh, inconvenient to find other words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. <laughs> that's I guess that's, that's it. Why. I guess yeah. that's it. Yeah. I don't know. What are you gonna do? Call people? What are you gonna do? Type the word Roman Shukievich into your Google search bar and press uh, return. You know, like. <laughs> You, what do you, you got stuff to do, you know? Yeah. Uh, but also on the same, on the same topic, right, of us, uh, our institutions 
not being able to um, to act, but not being able to act because they're so built for uh, and creatures of elite consensus. Um, there's no better example of that than uh, than <laughs> the, and this is a recent Press Progress report um, where when Ottawa police were deciding uh, how to react to the uh, to the trucker convoy uh, last last winter, uh, they were like, "Look, what are we going to do?" Enforce the law? <laughs> <laughs> Impossible for us. I mean, yeah. and and people should remember too that uh, one of the big one of the big news stories and criticism at the beginning of the convoy uh, was that it seemed like the Ottawa police were doing literally nothing. Well, apparently, we found out why, which is that according to this press progress report, um, Ottawa police hired an AI, like a PR firm that specializes in AI to just do a social media scrape and figure out how um, <laughs> to figure out what they should do uh, in order to manage the convoy. Um, and, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the, um, and, and they, because they, they, they sort of, they see themselves as, um, I mean, this number one, this shows that I think they saw themselves as a political organization. I mean, it's mm-hmm. true, but not something they would usually recognize. And, when they recognize that it's not something they don't usually recognize it in a good way, yeah, right. Um, but also, when when they sort of what they what specifically they were asking was, okay, well, uh, how should we interact with the convoy? Should we let it in? Where should we direct it around town? Um, how should we message it, and so on and so on. But I, and and this is some of the the initial findings that the um that the firm gave to the police, right? They said stuff uh, by saying things like the truck convoy will be directed to specific areas as they arrive in Ottawa is a polarizing message. Whereas something like ensure they have information relative to safe driving routes has no negativity. Um, and ensure they have information relative to appropriate locations to park in the city has some negativity, but it's low. Now, the thing is, right? They, they so they, they, this is this is connected to the fact that again they kind of guided the trucks into a staging area and in a sense facilitated they hired an AI polling firm to see how best to facilitate um a group of uh you know a a group of um you know right wing uh like small business owners uh, to best, like you know, do donuts uh, in front of the tribute to liberty victims of communism memorial, <laughs> and and I mean, the, when we when we when we looked at what they actually actually were asking, you know, um, they also were modeling, for example, public sentiment among Ottawa residents to forecast how they would feel if Ottawa police took action against the convoy and cleared the streets, um, and you know, uh, and they'd say. Um, that most of the people expressing, uh, they'd say, currently under 10% of people in Ottawa are expressing deep concern about how the convoy is being handled. Most of these people are downtown. If you were to take an Alberta-style action to clear them out, mm-hmm. you would get lift. You would get a 10% lift in opinion from center town residents because they're happy you took action, but a 50% hit from residents in other parts of the city who are not currently expressing any concern with the situation. And that to me doesn't seem. I mean, even just that doesn't seem real. It seems uh, it seems like people who are living outside of the city who maybe had to travel in, into the city for work would be happy that they could go back to work. You know, mm-hmm. like 
But even even it like let's just assuming that it is that it is right. Yeah. And I mean, look, problems enough with AI um, AI polling based on like sentiment analysis by scraping Twitter or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but even just assuming it is, then what you're what you're essentially saying as a um, as a police department is that uh, we are going to uh, start explicitly, uh, for example, balancing stuff like culture war considerations consider in uh, asking ourselves the question of how we are going to. Um, at least try to appear to enforce the law in the case of, say, I don't know, a um, sort of menacing group of uh, hooting uh, hogs uh, speeding into town um, and you know honking their horns and, and shouting at people and tearing up people's uh, lawns with their tires. It's interesting it, that they don't use this AI polling for like, should we pepper spray people at a BLM rally? You know? Yeah. Like, that's, how, that's, is, how is that going to affect public opinion? <laughs> Well, because it, it's it goes. Uh, this is why this is why I think this fits under the the headline of Canada being kind of diseased with consensus, uh, which is that we, if you're seen as inside the consensus, which as sort of you know um, embarrassing as the convoy people are, they're seen as inside the consensus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're they they count. They they matter. Uh, they're they're to be accommodated. At least, at least, or at least treated with restraint, because they they count. And um, let's say, uh, you know, like um, someone uh, like land defenders, people uh, protesting at infrastructure sites, um, as you say, BLM protests. These people are not seen as uh, mattering. They're not seen as they are. They have to be managed for the people who are inside. So we're yeah. going to pull the people on the inside as to how we want, the, as to how they want us to handle all these threats from outside. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, I think too, this, um, you know, the, the sort of fear of the Ottawa police department of, uh, negative, negative response, um, hiring this stupid fucking AI polling firm is just, it kind of points to this bigger thing in Canada where, and you mentioned it earlier where the police are kind of accreting into this like loose political block now. Mm. Um, and you, and you can definitely see it. I mean, it's most explicit in British Columbia where, you know, the police union literally endorsed the candidate, uh, who ended up winning. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I, I think as another, yeah, you know, another, another, um, example of, um, I think, you know, Canadian uh, media and politics being completely blind to what is actually the, the actual things that are actually happening in Canada is. There is an increased politicization and, and militarization of our police, kind of like what's happening in America. The kind of thing we say that we're sort of better than and it doesn't mm-hmm. happen here and we're too sensible, you know, to give our, our police a fucking, you know, B-52, an A-24 warthog rather, or a B-52. <laughs> you know, we're not going to, we're not going to allow them. them Pershing missiles for. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're not going to allow the police to, um use loitering munitions over uh, public schools. Calgary police have uh, requisitioned a nuclear submarine. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, uh, it, um, it, it was delivered uh, was delivered to Calgary. It will be in the, was put in the river. However, it was purchased from Poland and has a screen door. <laughs> That's right. A screen door. <laughs> Um, no, I, I mean, the, 
it, it seems to be again something that uh, if you want to if if you were concerned about the rise of extreme right wing politics in this country, which a lot of people seem to be happy to talk about, right? But talking about something like, for example, the convoy, which I think is you know, still worth talking about remembering, um, is uh, is a symptom of other causes, right? And yeah. a lot of the people who are worried about the rise of the extreme right in Canada tend to, much like like Brexit here, right? They look at that, the big media circus, they look at that as the cause as opposed to a symptom of a deeper cause. Yeah. And well, that, I mean, if you go back, even going back to this thing about Duncan uh, getting uh, getting uh, arrested by hate crimes division and thrown in an unmarked car, the one thing I kept thinking about while I was reading, watching the story unfold was... Uh, Last year, when Canadian journalists banded together and were like, uh, please don't be mean to us online, don't threaten us, you know, we need to be respected. Our press freedoms are being uh, eroded, or not our press freedoms are being eroded, but uh, people, people are attacking us, uh, silencing us, trying to silence us. And it's just like, where is the support for Duncan? Like, <laughs> like aren't, aren't, you guys all, uh, aren't you guys all in this together? Apparently not. Yeah. Um- it's uh, it, it's it seems like like I go back to something I talked about in the early bits of the show, right? Is the lazy river? It yeah. seems like you're sort of you're worried that the lazy river is uh, under threat, but you can't seem to escape its mindset. Yeah, you can't seem to understand that. Yeah, there is an extreme right in Canada. It didn't start and end with the convoy, and uh, certainly was involved in galvanizing it and making it very visible. Uh, it didn't start and end with, say, like statues of Roman Shukovich in um, in Alberta that are being defended by, um, or throughout the country that are being defended by multiple police um, police organizations and uh, that are increasingly party political. Like none of that sort of gets put together. None of that gets makes it into this. The fact that yeah, we are we're an extremely right wing country that just happens to vote a liberal government in. Um, that happens to be sort of liberal at the top level of its federal politics. Yeah. No one seems to metabolize that. that and, and all of this worry about the far right, no one seems to have any idea what to do with it other than just everyone involved in the convoy should individually be in jail. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. <sighs> I, am, uh, I am looking at the uh, landing page for the AI that they use to uh, scrape data. And yeah. I, it just looks like dog shit. It seems like it seems like if you click on anything here, you're gonna get scammed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, legally speaking, we do not think that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. You're you're gonna get. They have some examples of like the feedback. There's it's like emoji based feedback. It just seems cool. I'd love yeah. to build uh build our um. Uh, you know that's a great tool to build political consensus. In, Fuck. Uh, okay, here it is. Listen, like you, we do not want our police department deciding a course of action in the same way uh, I would decide to go to a Chinese restaurant by looking at Yelp reviews. Like, fuck off. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, like I, amazing, good, okay, not great, bad. I'm looking at the percentages. I'm saying we got to arrest these people. Like. <laughs> Uh, um anyway shall we shall we move on a yeah. little bit yeah uh so 
Uh, I said I, w- I wanted to talk a little bit about about Polyev uh, towards the end of the show. I think the reason I want to keep I keep talking about him is that I think uh, he is probably I, th- I think barring some great fuck up, uh, I now believe he's probably going to be um, the next prime minister. Uh, I because I just think that the, like much like the conservatives in the UK, I think the liberals in Canada have essentially run out of ideas and the NDP have allowed themselves to get like, again, shock horror, just allowed themselves to get roped into that kind of dying project. Mm-hmm. And because there's just nothing else, the one guy uh, who's crazy enough uh, to be as crazy as the, as the rest of the world um, is just going to probably get swept in by default. I don't like making predictions too much, but that's what I'm going to make. Um, and just seeing and and seeing how he's written about in uh, the National Post, it's uh, it's it's amusing, if only because a you know he gets written about in the National Post by guys who are like uh, you know emeritus chair of oil studies, at the University <laughs> of Fort McMurray, uh, and you know how but how this um again a you can see sort of all by by implication of what he is about the stories that are told about him by his allies you can see the space that is left by the people that should be opposing him. Yeah. Uh, so this is an article by a guy called Ted, by Ted Morton, um, who is a professor emeritus and executive fellow at the School of Public Policy at the University of Calgary and a former energy minister uh, for the government Ooh. of Alberta. So great guy. Um, the article goes, as soon as Pierre Polyev won leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada, the usual pundits began rattling off the reasons why he cannot beat uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau at the next federal election, and they are wrong. As last week's polling revealed, Polyev has already pulled ahead of Trudeau, and his support is just going to keep growing. And again, it's likely to do with very little, very few characteristics of, of Pierre Polyev himself, other than just that he's willing to be as he is willing to be extreme in the face of an extreme situation. Yeah, it's um, definitely more of a reflection of how the Trudeau government has handled the last like eighteen months or so. Yeah. Uh, it says, uh, why is his support going to keep growing? Because Polyev bridges almost all chronic divisions in Canadian federal elections, not just in what he says, but in how he's lived his life. Now, okay. Okay. How, how has this guy lived his life? Did he just graduate from high school and then get inserted into like, uh, into like a bow tie think tank? Yeah. And, and that's the thing, right? This article is about is essentially about all of the personal characteristics of, of, of Polyev, many of them like sort of made up. But you can see all of the room where, uh, let's say, someone who didn't want Canada to become extremely right-wing, all the kinds of places that, by implication, they could operate mm-hmm. and where we know the liberals aren't operating. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to start, he bridges the divide between Central and Western Canada. Now, number one, that divide mostly is uh, mainly uh, fake. And yep. set up by, uh, is just sort of basically set up, promulgated by the oil industry, <laughs> um, and uh, but is, is is it's essentially him saying yes, he's um he's bridging the divide between the central and western Canada. Uh, as an MP, he has represented ridings in the Ottawa area for more than a decade. But he grew up in Calgary and was an active uh, in the Reform Party and the Canadian Alliance politics. Um, and and I think number one, like the idea that. Oh, you have to be from uh, Calgary to represent them. You have to be from 
it's like, oh, wow, how could a guy from Ottawa represent Calgary just because he's giving them everything they asked for? <laughs> exactly. Just because he is he represents red meat for, say, the oil industry. Crazy. That's wild. Uh, but also, they said, the, the article goes on, he bridges the French-English divide. He was adopted by and raised by a French-speaking family and speaks fluent French himself, like every other Canadian politician. Exactly. <laughs> like fucking Trudeau. He does that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but it goes on. He was educated in English, like Trudeau. <laughs> uh, he is his two children attend a French immersion daycare. Great, like but, so, yeah, okay. <laughs> but at home, they speak as much Spanish as English. Welcome to twenty first century Canada. What? Yeah, uh, his wife. His wife is uh, a Venezuelan uh, migrant. Okay, <laughs> she, she moved from Venezuela. I wonder why. Um. Uh, I mean, imagine moving from Venezuela to mar- to like marry and have kids with a bow tie uh, think tank guy. Brutal. Yeah, it sucks. Um, uh, also, welcome to 21st century Canada. It's like, like, welcome to 21st century Canada. Also, you're more likely probably to maybe be speaking an Asian language as a third mm-hmm. language at home, perhaps. Uh, but that's probably. sort of, yeah, that's sort of, um, let's say, left out. Uh Polyev, he says, also bridges the Quebec-Alberta-Cleavage. He knows that neither province likes being told what to do by Ottawa. Quebec-Alberta-Cleavage. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's called uh, Manitoba and Ontario. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and he says, he promised to liberate Quebecers from the centralized and woke government in Ottawa and to restore their hope and their ability to preserve their unique language and culture. Um, and I think that's, that's just like, that's, that's a sop to me, the fact that like no one... No one in in like in federal politics seems to like know what to do about Lego. Yeah, you know exactly. Like yeah. you used to be able to depend on like on like Quebec nationalism. Um, had was complex was complex, but it didn't have this. You might say quite. Um, it, it's 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 more um, overt right wing edge is not something I think that like again. Uh, anyone in the federal liberal party seems to care about, get, uh, yeah, it, know it how has, to deal with. It has more of an Orban flavor now. It's got some Hungarian paprika in it, and and you know it's uh, it's it's much like like Labour has just looked at in the UK has looked at Scotland has been like, oh yeah, fine, whatever. I I, I don't think like I, I think it's just the SNP's place now. They can kind of do what they want with it. We kind of have nothing to offer them. Just the mm-hmm. the idea that like like li- liberals are going to go to Quebec and say, yeah, we basically have decided that we can't we can't get you. It's not worth making the difficult choices between the uh, industries and uh, interests that we're beholden to, and offering you something you know that might actually bring you on board. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're just going to let you have let. So we're just going to like basically let the nationalists have you. Um, but you know the um that the idea that. The idea that the conservatives would be able to say, "Yeah, we're actually going to try and we're going to try to give you more right wing stuff," <laughs> say more, <laughs> we're going to de- we're going to devolve and like let you have your own special immigration regime where you make like Muslim immigrants wear a special bell, you know, we're going to let you do all that. Um, the uh, <clears throat> that it, it feels like again, like the liberal NDP blob has no response to that when the NDP fucking really profited from the collapse. Of, uh, of of like of Quebec separatism um, a couple of election cycles ago, they absolutely did. Yeah, and they did nothing with it. And now, who's the, who's the, who are the the people who are promising like 
Quebec more um, more devolution, who are promised, who are basically like swimming with that tide. It's Polyev because there's no other because no one else is creating another tide. Yeah. Um, so he says, uh, and sorry, this this sort of goes to that first point, right? Which says, combine this with his commitments to unshackle oil and gas development and help make Canada the breadbasket of the world. And it's easy to see why this NP from Ontario will sweep Western Canada. Again, just because he does everything that they ask for, because he's aligned himself with their political project forever, uh, and because he said that he's going to, um, you know, allow their uh, planet dooming money spinner to keep spinning. <laughs> the breadbasket of the world thing is interesting because it's uh, definitely in reference to the uh, the like combo of uh, sanctions and then the failed kind of pseudo failed expansion of Nutria, the fertilizer company, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is which is a pan party project. That is that there is a general consensus on that. That's not that's not Polyev. That's that's everybody. Um, that's actually a liberal. That's a fucking liberal initiative. I'm sorry. Like you got to give it to Freeland for that one. <laughs> uh, a salute to Freeland. Yeah, you do um, got to give it to her. So it goes on. Just as significantly, Polyev bridges the gap between the old and the young. His traditional small-c conservative values resonate with baby boomers like me, but his fiery rhetoric plays well with Gen Xers and millennials as well. Uh, yeah, what? Well, it'd be great to see some fiery rhetoric elsewhere. Uh, although, I don't know if you saw uh, Jagmeet Singh's new, um, excellent new uh, 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 word, greedflation. Yeah. Ah, oh, we'd only be have we'd be having less inflation if everyone just agreed to be less greedy. All the it's like it's a little bit like Elizabeth Warren being like the problem is these specific ultra rich people who only emerged recently. The problem is everyone got a little too greedy a little too recently. We don't know what set them up to be able to get that way. We just have to counteract the worst excesses of it. Yeah, it's definitely not the the fucking decades long controlled demolition of like regulation. No, <laughs> of course not. It's all it's it's none of that. It's not the um, it's not just a. Uh, compensating for a decade of sort of of no wage growth by allowing asset prices to inflate. Nothing like that. Yeah, it's definitely not allowing the Irvings to uh, create like an offshore colony bubble where they can just, uh, where they have a tube that sends all the money. uh, Uh, And the thing is, right, is that if you're in a time like this, you're just, if no one's offering any fire and all of the fire is going to, as the article says, tackle Canadian icons like the CBC, um. Uh, then, like, that's where the political energy is going to go because it's there. You don't have to create it; it's already there. But he, this here's someone who's who is having it, who's with the charisma of a fucking dinner plate, just having it sort of handed to him by uh, default by a credulous <laughs> media who is um, talks him up as uniquely dangerous, or um, by default by uh, a political system that's unwilling to challenge. Again, someone who is essentially um, Mr. Magooing his way uh, from sort of crisis to crisis, from supporting doomed boondoggle to doomed boondoggle directly into um, uh, Sussex Drive. Yeah, exactly. And there's kind of an elitist thing with, uh, you know, other ruling parties just almost refusing to engage with him, Mm -hmm. refusing to engage or even criticize him. You know, I, I wonder where we've seen this before. (laughs) <laughs> uh, couldn't be yeah it couldn't be uh 
Couldn't couldn't be like we're just repeating what happened, what's happening in the U.S., but smaller and dumber. And five years later, yes, five to seven years later. Um, also, he says, Polyev joked in his victory speech. This is a perfect example of his complete charisma listeness. That again, people like Ted Morton seem to enjoy. Uh, Polyev joked in his victory speech that at his extended family's Sunday evening barbecues, he's often clueless because he's the only one not speaking Spanish. Polyevs embodied the multicultural family of 21st century Canada. Um, yeah, overheard at a Polyev family barbecue uh, was uh, Joe Pesci ranting and raving about how uh, <laughs> they had to do Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, uh, Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones was there smoking a cigarette in a very long, uh, thin ivory cigarette holder, That's waving right. with his uh, waving with his pinky finger like, um, "Now let's not start saying things we can't take back." <laughs> uh, this Morton says will resonate with the swing voters in the nine hundred five ridings outside Toronto. Do you feel resonated with? I don't. I don't feel resonated with. This does not resonate with me. No, <laughs> but then again, I don't live in the GTA, so yeah, those people love to get resonated with. Yeah, um, it goes on. Finally, Polyev will win because Canadians are tired of being told just ha- how unjust and terrible Canada is. Trudeau, his woke ministers, and Canada's left-wing media bombard us daily with their narratives of what a racist, sexist, homophobic, colonialist mess we are, and that the Liberal government in Ottawa is here to save us from ourselves. And I, I would suspect. It would be less of a problem if, in addition to say, uh, raising all of these issues, we, um, our the liberal government would actually do something about them. Yeah. For example, uh, we seem to be, uh, we seem to be he- every day. One of the reasons that we hear every day about like mistreatment of uh, of of minorities in Canada is that it goes on. That these are political problems, and and again, the the liberal tendency is to just keep highlighting the problem. In the hopes that if we raise enough awareness, something will do it. If the prime minister goes on a march, then maybe everyone will get together and just agree to stop having the problem. <laughs> and because, and you know, it's uh, and and if you can say, you know, if if you can, if all you can say is we're bad, we're 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 we're, is, which is basically yeah, like we we are founded on a historical crime. This is stolen land, and so on and so on. Well, at the same time precipitating the things that require that constant admission then yeah maybe you fucking suck maybe yeah and maybe you don't deserve to govern sorry maybe if you're if you're going to if you're going to um if you're going to say if you're if you are going to cloak yourself in the in like progressive language but then right and progressive languages are which tends to be around acknowledgement apology things like that uh taking responsibility while also continuing to do things that put stuff in the news that requires you to apologize and take responsibility perhaps you're gonna seem like a weak asshole yeah maybe just maybe maybe Maybe. and perhaps anyone with any kind of like idea no matter how stupid is gonna seem better compared to you you know And, and and the article goes on saying canada's history is not perfect but neither is any other countries and it's like yeah, well, uh, in, in the problem, yeah. <laughs> Number one, fine, but like, yeah, obviously. Uh, but if you're if you are going to, I think, like, if you are going to try to win those progressive points, say, um, and at the same time, you're going to continue. I don't know, supporting 
building of uh, oil pipelines through unceded um, indigenous territory, then you kind of do implicitly believe that Canada's history is perfect and that we're justified in doing what we do. Yes. Or you believe that it, it isn't perfect, we aren't justified in doing what we're going to do, and we're going to do it anyway. Both things suck. <laughs> and, and in the case of and what that does is that opens up someone like Polyev to say, well, you know, clearly these liberals are full of shit because they either don't believe it or they don't believe it enough to act like it's like it's true. Or I can just say, you know what? It's not true. And there's no substantive response to that. There's, yeah, there's no actual like, like you haven't really tried reconciliation. And that like real reconciliation that would involve stuff like not building those pipelines, not logging those forests, then you're very much leaving a you're a monster if you don't if, if you don't do that, number one. But number two, from a purely tactical political perspective like this, you just leave the door wide open for someone to come in and say, what if we just ignored all of it? Yeah, we're already ignoring the reconciliation part. What if we ignore the truth part? And and so, hey, you like you because if you don't like being told about the problems all the time, there's a great way to not be told about the problems all the time, which is to fucking solve the problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> as opposed to just as opposed to basically just being like fucking Bill Macy and shameless and being <laughs> like, oh, we're a colonialist, uh, you know, homophobic, that we're terrible and all this stuff. But they're never changing. <laughs> <laughs> just basically like being stuck on the on like the first three steps of the twelve step program, more or less forever. At some point, you have to give up the fucking booze. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, otherwise, someone's just going to be like, "Hey, you know what? You're always apologizing for drinking, but you keep drinking. Why not just keep drinking? You can yeah. just stop apologizing if you're going to keep drinking." Because the apologizing thing is getting pretty annoying now. You know. <laughs> yeah. You just have to stop drinking. Yeah. You know, like you can keep apologizing if you stop drinking after. That's right. Um, it's a, he goes on. Uh, Pierre and Aneda Polyev embody a message of hope, opportunity, and optimism. Uh, and the only reason that is, is because they're, diff- they're different from the thing that embodies none of that. <laughs> they're just different from the thing that we know isn't that. Yeah, they're not really <sighs> offering a message of hope. You know? No, no heavens, no, no. They're they're ju- they're offering a message. What they're offering is they're they're offering um a you know uh, a a right wing script. Uh, they're offering it to a compliant media, and they're doing it in the absence of re of a real model of how things could look otherwise. Because fundamentally, I don't know what 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 does Trudeau really disagree with Polyev on? Um, he thinks that because he's, they all still think that there has to be continued carbon extraction. There's still a place for carbon in the Canadian economy. They also they both still think that um, the forests need to be logged, the mines need to be mined, and the um, uh, 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 and, and the pipelines need to be built. They all think that the Irvings basically have to be courted. They also uh, think that uh, climate related uh, uh, catastrophe in uh, in Canada is kind of the is kind of the responsibility of individual communities or let's say the Red Cross to deal with. And not the federal yeah. government. <laughs> I don't exactly see either of them leaping to uh, acknowledge and make reparations for what we've done in Haiti. Um, I see, for example, as Doug Ford breaks a huge teacher strike in Ontario, I see very little uh, liberal pushback against that. Yeah, they kind of you basically know, said, r- no, rhetorical hey, only. please rhetorical don't do only. that. Yeah. yeah. If only someone could do something, if only someone could discipline the Ontario provincial government. If only know, there was a higher we- governmental body. 
why don't we march about it? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but as long as as long as there seems to be no clear blue water between them and Polyev on this, and he's just able to look and act different, then he wins just by showing up. It's just it's incredible that somebody as someone who's as much of a charisma vacuum as Polyev could overtake Trudeau, you know, like in terms of uh, opinion polling, that that could be a viable option. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Ah, I love Canadian democracy, don't you? Inanimate carbon rod with the bow tie. Yeah. Love the rod. Uh, Long live rod. Yeah. Uh, by some twist of fate, Rod Dreher becomes prime minister. Oh, man, that would be amazing. <laughs> Just a, bath, a bathhouse on every corner. <laughs> goulash, the new official food of Canada. Maple syrup is out. Goulash is in. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. Multicultural. English, French, Magyar. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. I think that's about all we have time for today. So, uh... Thank you for being a listener. Thank you, Dan, for being my ever patient and uh, handsome co-host. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. And I think next week it's going to be uh, Sans Me, Meless. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's going to be going to be Dan and some of his old old music pals talking talking tinkering around on the on the ivories and the cat gut. We're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about the bright and uh, the bright and hopeful future of uh, touring live music. I hear that uh, it's a, a, an industry where opportunities are going up, up, up. Yeah, it's uh, it's really a job on the grow. So, <laughs> rock and roll. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.